0: We are finishing uh, Hebrews chapter eleven. Um, I hope this has been a, a meaningful time going through this book. We have just a few more weeks until uh, Easter. Well, about a month or so until Easter, and uh, I'm excited of what's coming after Easter. You'll hear more about that as well. But um, as Easter comes up, you know, please have people in prayer whom you would love to see with us this morning, or on Easter morning, on a Sunday morning. Uh, It's a time when we freely want to invite people who uh, are are curious about the faith, who are curious about Jesus, and um, and to begin now at praying for them, praying for their hearts. Uh, I've seen over the years of ministry um, amazing things happen on Easter morning uh, with, with people who aren't often in church, and what they hear and conversations that take place later. So please be praying for those people now, and we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks. Uh, this morning, we have a, 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 some treats, I think we can say, maybe in this sermon. I'm really excited about it. So um, we'll begin our time with a story from author Shea Sereno. Um, as, I, as I get there, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and the Red Pew Bibles, We'll have the text behind us here pretty soon. And so um, having an open Bible with a, with a paper in front of you is um, it's meaningful, you know. E-books are great. I don't really read them, but I know people who do, and that's great. But you can't really be just having it to touch. Maybe that's just an opinion. I don't know. Page 1192 is where we're going to be. As you're turning there, here's our story. Author Shay Soreno had just taken the exit ramp near his home when his car sputtered and died. Trying unsuccessfully to restart the car, he called a tow truck. The wrecker promptly arrived and deposited his car in the driveway. Serrano popped the hood and fiddled with the wires and hoses a bit, and having exhausted his less-than-vast auto repair knowledge, he called his father." So his father listened as he explained what had happened, and his father then simply responded, I will come up there tomorrow after work. Now his father lived over 200 miles away. He worked 10-hour shifts um, driving a city bus. And so sure enough, the next day, Shay's father, after his shift was over, arrived on his doorstep. Some three hours after his shift was over, he said hello. He hugged his son. He walked back out to the driveway to have a look under the hood. About 15 seconds later, his father emerged from under the hood. He looked at his son, returned his wrench to his toolbox, and walked past Shay to his own vehicle. What was wrong? Did you not bring the right tools? Shay asked. The job is done, his father replied. Well, what's wrong with it? Your car is out of gas. (laughs) Now, there's a lot of moving parts to the Christian life. Chapter 11 has mentioned all of these men and women who have had faith. We've been defining faith as this, this hope-filled, loyal action to God that brings the realities of God's kingdom into our own existence today, all because of Jesus who made us a, a way through his life, death, and resurrection. So I wanted to consider that faith is kind of like the fuel of the Christian life. As many moving parts as there is to our lives, day-to-day challenges, some mundane mundane realities, things like inflation and rising food and energy prices. Anybody else get that bill of, from Delmarva this week? There's a lot going on under the hood of our lives. But faith remains that fuel that aims us in orientation to Jesus Christ Uh, That story I I told is true, of course it's a little humorous, but I want you to think about it. You know, if a car won't start because there's no gas, um, you can really look under the hood and if you're not super knowledgeable, like most of us, you know, probably aren't, um, you can tinker with stuff and move hoses around and, you know, try to just figure out is something broken that I'm looking at, but missing the gas, right, may not be the most obvious piece and even not be the most visually obvious thing to understand, but without it, of course, the thing doesn't move. Nothing happens. And the thing about faith, right? In all of these stories that we've been looking at in Hebrews chapter eleven, there's many more stories today. We're look at just a few of them. Is that for most of these men and women, like all the stories are in the Old Testament? You can read about them. You know, each one could be a sermon by itself. Uh, As the author talks about all of these people, the fascinating thing is if you read these stories, very seldom, very seldom is the word faith found in any of them, which is interesting how the author who wrote Hebrews, kind of what he drew out of these stories. He drew out something we can say it was implicit, reading between the lines. Um, As one author called him, he's drawing out faith from the gaps in these stories, kind of reading between the lines, if you will. And he sees their faith, kind of like uh, Shea Serena, the author there, when, when things seem broken and not working in life, sometimes we forget about what faith really is. And sometimes maybe, even as Christians have been thinking a lot about this, you'll hear more about it in the uh, oncoming months. But I'm not even quite sure. Like, yeah, faith is the entry point to Christianity, okay? You can't know Jesus without faith. But faith doesn't stop when you walk through that door for the first time, right? There's an ongoing nature and even develop it in in maturity in our faith that never really stops. And I'll venture to say that I don't know how well the church, uh, not ours specifically, just in general in modern times, how well we really equip one another for the challenges, the real life challenges that come and what happens to our faith in the process? And we're going to be talking a lot about that because the, the people mentioned in chapter 11, they really went through a lot of things and, and the way they, they pushed through faith, even though it wasn't theirs, reading between the lines, the author said, it's kind of like faith in the gaps, you know? It's there and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. The question that we're going to be kind of asking ourselves will be implicit throughout, if we were to zoom out of your life and kind of read in between the lines or look in the, the gaps in your own life, what do we see in action filled faith day in and day out? Even if that word doesn't come off your lips often, is it showing in your life as you respond to what, what happens in your life day in and day out? So this morning we'd be looking briefly at the gaps in some of these people's lives this morning. Can't do all the details, but we'll get through many of them. So beginning, uh, uh, as we look at Hebrews chapter 11, the the rest of the chapter, let me remind you of um, the definition we've been working with that begins in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Another uh, 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 commentator on the Bible kind of said it this way. Um, It is an action taken in the present with a view towards a future realization. An action in the present with a view towards a future realization. And one step farther would be an action taken in the present where a little bit of that future realization kind of shows up in the present. Even though we still wait for the final version of it to be fulfilled there. And that's what happens in our faith. So um, let's look at this first group of verses here as we once again return to Abraham's life. Um, there's, there's kind of three ways that we're going to see faith kind of pop out of these stories this morning. Um, and, and it's going to be uh, involving uh, uh, faithful risk, faithful um, uh, hope, and faithful endurance. That's going to be kind of the in between stories here. So let's look at Abraham's life, verse 17. We can. If you missed last week's sermon, you can pick up on what we learned about Abraham last week. But here's verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring shall be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, He did receive Isaac back from death. Now to survey this story, picking up from last week, it was God, if you remember, who promised Abraham and Sarah in their old age that a child would come. Their response initially, they laughed at God, and God said, great, you should name him Isaac, because that name means one who laughs. And sure enough, they named their son who came miraculously in their old age, Isaac. Now, when you're reading Genesis and you see this child born, you're like, wow, okay, it happened. And then, really quickly after, in Genesis 22, this is how the story reads. After these things, after Isaac was born, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. If he remembers, last time God said, Abraham, here I am. It was kind of a crazy thing that happened. He said, Pick up from where you live and just start walking, and I'll show you where you're going. Go. So this is like round two. Abraham, here I am. It's like, what's going to happen next? Verse two, he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Now, this is a real human being. Abraham's not some mythical figure. He's just skin and bones like you and I. I'm sure you'd be a little confused It's like a little bit, right? Because God said through Isaac, this whole nation is going to come. And now he says, and go give this kid up as a sacrifice. Be a little confused. But I like to describe Abraham's obedience here. Because he follows through with this. He begins obeying God and taking steps. There's a bit of a risky faithfulness attached to this. Because the promise given to him was, I will make uh, Isaac, through Isaac a great nation will come. And now he says, given up as an offering to me. Um, the author Hebrews kind of reads between the lines and, and sees Abraham's heart. And he says, Abraham must have reasoned that after this event, God could bring Isaac back from the dead. Because his promises aren't void and figuratively speaking at the end when abraham's you know knife is, is stopped at the last minute when god says stop you you you've passed the test i see that you really believe the the child whom he thought he wouldn't be bringing back he did bring back and he said figuratively speaking he did receive him back from the dead but he didn't waver in obedience even with some question marks of what this obedience like how is this going to play out i don't know but his faith led him to such an action. So I want to just briefly say this. You know, when, when we follow Jesus, I, I think he will lead us to take some risks in his name. I don't believe. Like, he, he will, right? And I don't mean like, I mean, I mean, yeah, some people might wind up in the jungles of the Amazon, right? On, on a legitimate, almost, adventure, you know? We, we read some of these stories of missionaries in church history, and that really could happen. But not all of these are some, you know, adventurous risks here. Sometimes it just comes from sitting and listening to God and responding, saying, Lord, here I am. And he speaks to you, maybe through the scriptures, and kind of starts nudging you in a certain direction that you're like, "Um, how about no, actually? Like, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. But God keeps kind of doing the nudging. And he keeps doing the nudging and it's just a matter of already going to stop resisting and stop kicking against him. Sometimes it looks like that in our life. That this faith leads us to have to take a risk towards him, right? I mean, maybe there's healing in your life that you've never really have set down to face some hurt, some pain, some trauma, some deep difficulty. That you're just gotten really good at different mechanisms of just kind of covering that continually for. Very far too long and and you're afraid to look at it and it even seems risky because you're like I don't know what's going to happen but God says I want you to be healed I can do it are you ready are you finally ready to to face that one part of your life I know you don't know how it's going to look when you're done but are you ready to jump into that because I am going to be with you it's nothing that Jesus himself did not face in his life right God's heavenly plan in Christ is commissioned on this earth. And all these things that we're talking about, he wants to call you up in his plan. And if you're ready to listen, he will call you. And the response will be faith because it'll be kind of a question mark on what that's going to be, right? And so the other stories we're looking at are going to have faithful hope wrapped up in it. So moving on to verse 20, we go to now Abraham's child, Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau with regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, which is uh, Abraham's grandson, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, Abraham's great-grandson, right, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. And moving many centuries later, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now all these actions here that were done in their present were based on unseen future realities and it had bearing on their present. Isaac and Jacob's blessing given to their children. If you read about them, you can read about them. They were done in faith that the promises that Abraham received were real, were true of this great nation that would be coming from their family. And they acted on it. They expected it. And they led and guided their children to it as they blessed them. They received the promises. They acted on faith. But they still didn't see it, friends. And that's the faith in the gaps, right? Right? You don't see the word faith show up in these stories, but read between the lines. It's there. This is what's causing them to act in this way. Now, I want to just draw a connection here. When Paul, uh, he, when he read these stories and he read this promise given to Abraham uh, in Galatians, he, he, he picks up on this promise and he shows us how this, this, this nation that would come from Abraham, it says that a blessing was coming for the world through him. And I want to bring this story of Abraham to to all of us this morning as it connects because as Paul was writing to a bunch of non-Jewish Christians, early Christians in in, in the region of Galatia, which is like modern Turkey or so, um, we have this, Galatians 3, 7 through 9. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, "And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. We continue in the very faith that we're reading about, in other words, the faith of Abraham, the faith of Isaac, the faith of Jacob and Joseph and Moses' parents. As a faith, you know, sons and daughters of Abraham, this blessing through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, etc., it was ultimately Christ who came and offered and accomplished forgiveness of sins. He conquered death, and this news is still good news, and all families of the world can receive the blessing of the gospel that we, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, have received, and even right now, billions across the world are in Christ. Millions still testify today of having encounters with the risen Lord. And this message is only valuable when we understand that even the resurrection of Christ is not the end. That he's coming back to make all things new. To complete his work of salvation in this world. And it's the hope in the past work of Christ, the present realities of Jesus And the hope of his return that drives us by faith today to act on those promises. Just like Abraham did. Just like Isaac did. And just like Jacob did. If you're a father or a grandfather or if you're a mother or a grandmother or even an aunt or uncle or anybody in this room who there's kids that are close to you that you have access to. We need to invest deposits of this faith into the next generation just like Abraham did, just like Isaac did, just like Jacob did, right? The hope of God's promises. That's what's happening right now to the kids that are beneath us and in our kids ministry. We're investing the deposit of this hope by faith, that as we drive towards Jesus, when we orient ourselves toward him, that we see the next generation doing so. The hope of God's promises drives us to do so. This is how faith in the gaps surface in these stories, All right, this is faithful hope, actions of hope. How are we doing? You guys guys awake? You guys here? Great, great. The next part, the next stories, faith in the gap as it surfaced through amazing stories of endurance, amazing stories of endurance. I'm not going to read all of this uh, chapter. We're going to have it all read to us here in a minute, Um, and that's kind of the special thing today, but um, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to kind of survey the next few verses or so about some men and women um, in chapter 11 here that endured incredible things through faith. And so just my little survey here of verses 24 through 38 uh, speaks of Moses and how he chose to identify with his enslaved brothers and sisters rather than stay in the house of Pharaoh in Egypt as royalty. We can read the story and see how that played out in his life. Uh, he even sprinkled blood over Israel's doors as God asked him to so that the story wouldn't harm him. Again, these are words from God and he said, I'm going to respond in faith. I don't know, you know, how it's going to wind up, but I trust that God's word is not void. So I'm going to respond in faith to it. And he did. Uh, it, it, we, we see Israel crossing the Red Sea in faith over dry land. Yes, this generation of Israel, they whined and complained in the wilderness. But you got to give it to them. There was two walls of an ocean of water right there. And God said, walk in between them. Like that, I don't care who you were, you might be a little hesitant to be like, um, I don't know. Like, if I'm in the middle of this thing, and this, these like wall things, like stop being wall things here, like, It's gonna be a pretty bad scenario. I'm not gonna escape that. But in faith, they said, okay, Lord, and they did. They did, right? In faith, they trusted him. God's people also marched around a city for seven days. And instead of just invading God, said, why don't you look like idiots and walk seven times around the city and the walls are just gonna fall down. That sounds crazy. Like, you want us to look like a fool God, in other words? Okay, and they did. And guess what? In faith, they did it. And it happened, right? The miracle of the wall falling. Rahab, a prostitute in the city, the most unlikely person, you may think, to have faith in this God of the army outside of Jericho, what did she do? She cast her faith on him. She helped the armies out, the spies out, and uh, became a part of the, of, of the community of God's people because of her faith. Then the author lists a number of people. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephtheth. If you, if you read their stories, some wild people here. Did some wild stuff. And he says, yeah, but they had faith, you know? These people had some wild lives and they were not perfect people. They had faith. You have David and Samuel, the prophets, picking up in verse 33 here. Who, the author says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses returned the strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. That sounds great. That sounds amazing. It's like, give me, give me some of that, Lord. That sounds awesome, Right? Receiving back their dead from life, that's referring to the widow of Zarephath who during the prophet Elijah's ministry um, experienced that. Right? God, through Elijah, raised her son back from the dead. Kingdoms uh, conquered in faith. That's Gideon. Mouths of lions shut in faith. That's Daniel quenched to fury of flames. That's Elijah. A weakness turned into strength. So many people. Hannah praying before God in the tent as she's just weeping her weakness and faith. She comes and she pleads, and God makes her strong through her faith. And she has a baby. Every one of these statements comes from real stories. I could preach a sermon on all of them, right? And like we we read that, we're like, yeah, like that's awesome. And and I don't want to diminish anything. Like there are seasons when God shows up in miraculous and powerful manners. When we actually kind of get that glimpse of how things should be. Like we experience life as it should be when the broken things get reversed, when the sicknesses become healing and restoration. Like when we see these things, you're like, wow, like I've met people who were you know, like, like a little iffy on this whole God and Jesus thing and, and they see a miraculous act and they're like, okay, so I don't understand that. I don't know where that came from. What do I do with this? And it kind of spins their whole world in because they realize There's only one explanation for this. Like it has to be God who showed up here. And we enjoy when this happens. We celebrate when this happens. And it stands as a testimony that our hope is not in vain, right? That we continue forward in faith. If there's an impossible situation, referring to the words of Jesus, he says nothing is impossible with God. And we respond in faith. But the sermon doesn't end there. The sermon doesn't end there, right? Because there's more to the story even here, you know? And just a little digression just for a second here. Like I think in America, like there's a cultural aspect to things that makes us really wish the sermon could end right there, you know? Um, We have this notion of like this progress, the American dream, where we can only imagine things getting better and better and better. Uh, This is why our politicians, like if there's like a hard decision to make that has to like take us back as a country one step to bring us forward for others. Nobody's willing to do it because it has to be better all the time. You know, things can only get better. Nobody can make bad decisions and hard decisions like that. Uh, We have this mentality. It's just like things have to always be getting better. Our houses always have to be getting, you know, somehow cheaper but bigger at the same time. And clothing has to be getting somehow cheaper but better at the same time. And our technology has to get cheaper but better and blah, 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 blah. This is how we live in our country. And I think our theology can be affected by this. Or we say, God, like I have my hope in you, so things should be be getting better now because I know you. Because this stuff applies to you, right? And then it doesn't, sometimes. And the question will be what happens then to your faith? Look at the next part here and the other part of verse 35 Others were tortured and refused to be released. So that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging. While still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, sawed into, They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. Destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. And we say... None of that, please. <laughs> I don't, that, that's not so exciting to read. Incredible endurance as they followed after in faith the promises of God that still stood in their hearts as they faced such immense trials and challenges and difficulties. And again, read their stories, right? All these stories, like the word faith won't be there, it's in the gaps, it's found in their endurance. Of these crazy, hard, difficult circumstances. They, respond, they were responding, and when these things came to them, they still had their eyes and hope set on the unseen realities that God promised, and it drove them with endurance to face them. Um, it's hard, though. There's, there's, a, there's a, a verse, actually, I, I, I kind of was led to this week in Proverbs 13, 12. It says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled as a tree of life and that's an interesting way to describe this right because we 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 act in hope but it doesn't mean that there's not times in our journey along the way where we're like ah oh, this is so this is i feel sick almost like can this ever like stop can it be reversed Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's why the Psalms are filled, innumerable. I know we read this just a few weeks ago. I'll read it again because it's a great example of like almost like this back and forth of just hope in the midst of faith in Psalm 42, 5 through 6. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. They're cast down, they're struggling, but their hope is still in God. They're trying to at least preach that to themselves, right? This is hard, why is my soul cast down? I know that God's promises are real, I have hope in God, but there's the, a very real human struggle that you and I have written on the pages of our scripture. Now the people in scripture like, yes, we can call them the heroes of the faith, and they really are admirable, but they're also, just another reminder, normal people. They weren't like extraordinary superhuman, like, you know, Superman, Marvel character people, right? Like, they were real, like real weak people just like you and I. It was Elijah who, you know, was on top of a mountain and saw God just destroy all these false prophets from uh, false gods and fire came from heaven, just wild stuff. And it was the same Elijah who, just shortly after, was running in fear and got so down and so depressed that he found himself in the wilderness praying, Lord, maybe just take my life at this point. Like I'm done. I got nothing left here. A very real person, mountaintop, but experiences the valleys as well. I dare say that the biggest challenge of our faith is when we do not experience that great power and miraculous work of heaven um, uh, um, even though we, we, we pray for it, right? Even though we, we're open to it, when it happens, we celebrate, right? I mean, we're not closed off to it as a church. We see the book of Acts and all these amazing works that happen and we see Jesus' ministry and he said, you'll be able to do greater works than these. And we say, okay, Holy Spirit, like we're open. Like, like do th- bring the power of heaven into this world so people may see who you are and, and know of your gospel, so we're open to that, but the biggest challenge comes when those, those crazy things happen in our life and we hit like this wall, our car stops running, we don't know what to do, and we're thinking the engine's broken, we're looking around, right? And there's a gas tank that is empty that needs to be fueled with faith that says like, what, what happens to your faith and your understanding of God when those walls get hit? Or are you going to face that wall of suffering? I mean, seriously, like tortured Mocked, flogged, stoned, sawed in two, put to death by the sword, to live in the wilderness alone. Like, and he's writing to it the early Christians here who were actually being like persecuted. Like this wasn't a joke. His audience, people are being thrown in jail for their faith, and he's mentioning these stories that say you're not the only ones, friends, who's been through some hardship precisely because of your faith. They endured, you can endure. Will we still believe that God is good when life does not seem good? Will we still hope in the resurrection even while we lose loved ones on this earth? Will we endure suffering of health and body, believing that one day Jesus is returning to make all things new? So there's a story I want to close with before we have um, Shelly come up. Um, you can make your way up now, Shelley, if you would like. But um, here's, a, here's a video I want to show here. And I first want to tell the story because the way this makes its place in our life today, um, it's no more extraordinary than it was with Elijah, right? When he's kind of pulled through and God speaks to him, you know, in his depression on the mountain and, and gently whispers into him, to his heart, right? Like when he endures the hardship. Like it's no more extraordinary when we see these, this kind of faith in a gap surface in modern times. And I want to tell you a story. I'll never forget the story. I, I heard of it some years ago when it happened, and maybe you remember it. I was so deeply moved when I heard it, just thinking that what better example of, of, of faith and hope and, and forgiveness that comes from the gospel that uh, it can surface from somebody like you and I. So let me, let me tell this story. September 8th, 2018, Amber Geiger, she was a white police officer, race has a part to do in this story, and we'll get to that, you'll see. A white patrol police officer finishes a 13 and a half hour shift, drove into her Texas apartment complex where she lived. Upon arriving at her apartment, she realized the door was ajar. Opening the door, she found Botham Jean sitting on the couch eating ice cream. She immediately opened fire on the 26-year-old black male, whom she thought to be an intruder, killing him. Quickly she realized, however, she had parked on the wrong floor in her parking garage, and the apartment she was standing in was not her own. Within three days, she was arrested for murder. She's still in prison today Cries of racism rose across the country As many across um, all the states Responded in anger and in chaos Botham had a sweet precious family Full of brothers and sisters And they were left utterly devastated At the horror of the crime How would you respond to something like that? This is your dear brother Senselessly killed How would you respond? What would you do? What would you do if you had the chance to look their killer in the face, in the eyes? What would you say? Brant Jean, Botham's brother, had the chance to speak to Amber in a courtroom setting. I am going to show you the video about what exactly took place.
1: I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please please Yes.
0: One time Jesus said, if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you really truly hope that the gospel is good news for everybody, that the cross can cleanse the sin or even the worst among us, and you want to step out in faith on that belief, you'll be like Brant Jean there. If you'd like, you can just pencil his name at the end of Hebrews eleven. If you want to, he certainly deserves a place in this chapter, right? And the countless others in history who exercised such faith and responded, and just you know, you see the moment that like this this love welled up in his heart that clearly makes no sense. You should read people's responses to this, like forgiveness That's the dumbest response. Like people were angry, his response. But if he saw his heart, like uh, the love of heaven showed up and it drove him to do something that makes no sense, unless the gospel's real. And faith in it pulls you towards responses like that in your life. So right now, here's what we're going to do, something different. Um, we're going to, um, to really bring home this chapter because I didn't read the whole chapter. It's really long, but we're going to hear it all from the beginning of this chapter to the end. I mentioned a few weeks ago how, in all the New Testament, this chapter of Hebrews is one of the most masterful pieces of writing. But we forget that these chapters, we preach them, we chop them up in different verses, we do all of that. But we forget that these are letters meant to be read aloud before they were meant to be, like, read. Like, they were written for the ear more than the eyes, okay? And um, there's an ancient skill called rhetoric where, where they were, people were trained for public speaking. And so, because almost no one knew how to read. So, when these biblical letters were written to churches, like, people got them, and they actually somewhat, like, performed them in front of people. And so, Hebrews 11, to really bring this home, what we're talking about... I want it to be experienced this morning. I want it to be experienced, uh, and this is be, this, what we're about to do. Is will be the, the closest thing we can get to like the original form of the scriptures. Um, so uh, I asked Shelley uh, Foraker this morning if she'd be willing to to read aloud the entire chapter. And so um, I kind of threw this on her a little bit last minute, and she was gracious enough to respond and say yes. And so I don't have the scripture slides behind me. because I want you to listen to these stories of faith all over again. I want you to listen to God's word this morning. Keep your ears open. If you want to close your eyes and just listen to the chapter, um, do so. And let these stories uh, impact you. Let's experience Hebrews 11 as we close this sermon. So. Um, Call Shelly to come forward. And the worship team as well, if you have any.
1: Good morning, family. (laughs) This is the Word of God, beginning in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith shows the reality. what we hope for it is the evidence of things we cannot see through their faith the people in days of old earned a good reputation by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land that God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on Earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have just gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered his son Isaac, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Isaac, uh, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share in the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's command, the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets by faith. These people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God has something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down and the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And because of the joy that was waiting for him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. This is the word of God, amen. It's powerful stuff.